Hokie Nation, we are back after a slightly lengthy layoff for the Hokie Hoops pod. Um, I had a couple things to attend to. I had a wedding down in Charleston, South Carolina that actually took place over the course of two of these games, so I was down there for a while. Um, Mike's been really busy as well, so we haven't actually recorded Mike and I in a while. Um, Billy Ray and myself talked after the UVA game, but since the UVA game, things have unfortunately not gone the Hokies' way. Um, Virginia Tech men's team currently sits at 15 and 11, 5 and 10 in conference, um, with the most recent three games being a loss to Boston College at home, a win up in Notre Dame, and then a loss to Georgia Tech on the road. So things have not been going well. And at this point in the season, um, you know, barring a pretty miraculous turnaround and a run in the NCAA tournament, I don't know that a clear path to the NCAA tournament from an at large perspective exists for Virginia Tech right now. So, uh, I kind of want to dive into this as more of a broad picture uh, conversation because there's been a lot on the timeline, on Twitter, and in various group chats and Twitter groups and Slack and all these different things that, you know, I'm in, I'm in group chats with all these Hokie fans and everyone's trying to figure out what the problem is. So I want to at least take a moment to a high level brush through the three games uh, and then go from there and talk about what the issues are the way I see it, at least. Um, and of course, I would love to hear anybody's thoughts on. You know, what's kind of gone wrong for a team that we all thought going into the year was uh, had a really high ceiling and has a really, really talented roster and things just haven't gone Virginia Tech's way um, since non-conference, basically, for the most part. And there's been a variety of reasons why, uh, and I'll get to those in a second. But first, Virginia Tech lost a home game to, quite frankly, a not very good Boston College team, um, 82-76. to 76. That, was, that was a pretty brutal loss. And even after that one, you know, all of the different bracketologies and things like that still had Virginia Tech as having a chance to get into the NCAA tournament, which was surprising to me. I kind of figured that would be the nail in the coffin. Um, but bracketology still kind of had them, you know, in position to be in position, if you will. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I think the Georgia Tech loss maybe knocked them off of that. But even with a loss at home to a pretty bad Boston College team, um, Virginia Tech still had a chance and they kind of jumped on that chance, went up to Notre Dame and won a really good game on the road. First road win of the year, um, which is which is remarkable considering we're in mid to late February now and we have our first road win of the season in the ACC. But then they came back after that and went down to Georgia Tech and lost 77-70. to So um, a loss, a win, and a loss uh, in a stretch where you kind of – you had to go 3-0. and in my, in my personal opinion, if you wanted to net large bid, had to go 3-0, and went 1-2, and uh, against some mediocre teams. And a common theme you'll see across all three of those games is high scoring, uh, 82-76, 93-87, Virginia Tech's been giving up a lot of points, uh, particularly in that Notre Dame game. You took 93 points scored by the Hokies to win uh, against Notre Dame. So the defense has been a problem over the course of these three games, uh, and it's something that I think they need to tighten up if they want to have any chance at you know going on a – a nice run here to end the year and feel good about ourselves going into the ACC tournament and potentially an NIT, or if you win the ACC tournament, obviously you, you're an automatic bid, but uh, the defense has been a problem. Uh, and I think particularly defense on the perimeter guarding the guards has been tough for Virginia Tech. Uh, and I, I'll get to why I think that is in a second. But you know, when you have a hard time containing the guards and slowing down guard play, 
it opens up everything for everybody else on the opposing team's offense. If the point guard can beat his man off the dribble and force rotations, then all of a sudden you're getting drop-offs to a big man for an easy basket or open jump shot on the wing and uh, all these things that Virginia Tech's been giving up during this stretch of stretch of poor play that I, I believe has started on the defensive end of the floor. So get these two losses in particular, really high scoring. And then the win was really high scoring 93 to 87. Um, it should not take 93 points in a college basketball game to get it done, especially against a, a, a pretty bad Notre Dame team. So unfortunately uh, Virginia Tech was able to get that win, but the defense has been problematic all year and it's, it's continued to be problematic into mid and late February during this particular stretch. So with that being said, I don't really want to hash on these three games too much more because um, quite frankly, they, everyone's talked about them kind of ad nauseum on, on Twitter and, you know, wherever you get your hokey content, I'm sure you've talked about these three games in particular, but I'm just going to go into the broader issues. And this is obviously the way I see things. This is the way Ed Williams sees things and how the issues have uh, unfolded for Virginia tech and gone from a place of, you know, really, really high level basketball being ranked in the top 25 at one point in time in non-conference to where we sit today at 15 and 11. So the issues that I see and the biggest one are the lack of depth, particularly at the guard spot. So this one's tricky because going into the season, a perceived strength of the Virginia Tech Hokies men's basketball team was going to be the guard play, particularly guys like Sean Padula, Hunter Couture, Darius Maddox, with the addition of Rodney Rice and uh, you know some help from MJ, MJ Collins. Guard play and guard depth was a perceived strength for this team going into the year. Now, we all know about Hunter Couture's missed stretch there with the elbow injury. I'm not going to put a whole lot on that. I do think it impacted those games in a huge way, and I think we probably win a couple of those games uh, if he was healthy and played all year. But that being said, you know you can't plan for 100% health on your basketball team all year long, uh, and I think that that you know blaming his injury for the losses would be um, disingenuous and unfair. So I, but I will I will caveat that by saying. This team's roster has not been full one time. Um, you lose Hunter Couture for a stretch. Rodney Rice comes back for one game, then gets re-injured and misses the entire season. A guy that you were probably counting on to play, you know, 12 minutes a night, 13 minutes a night, score probably 8 to 10 points a night even. I mean, Rodney Rice, I think people underestimate. And, yes, that's a lot to ask of a freshman, but I think um, the staff had a, a plan to put a lot on his shoulders. And with him missing – the entire season, that's been a really, really tough thing for the coaching staff to kind of fill that void. So you have the Hunter Couture injury first stretch, and then you have the Rodney Rice injury for the entire season, followed by the issues with Darius Maddox and his time away from the team with a family issue. All of a sudden you look at the bench, there's no guards. Um, you're missing Maddox and Rice. Padula and Couture right now are playing the entire game along with a true freshman, MJ Collins, who MJ Collins has played amazing. But if you, like people are the, the thought that uh, roster management has been a problem, um, I don't know how you can manage a roster any differently than the way that the staff has done it due to the fact that Maddox and Rice have been out due to unforeseen circumstances that you could not control or predict when you're building your roster in the summertime via high school kids or transfer portal. You can't predict two guys that, in my opinion, that the staff was probably thinking – the combination of Maddox and Rice gives you probably 18 points a night and a good amount of minutes. And they've had none of that. And they've had to find different ways to get creative. Uh, John Camden's had to play a lot more. 
than I think we had originally anticipated. MJ Collins is playing starters minutes every single night and has had to at a necessity of the current state of the roster with those two um, guys who were supposed to be big performers and through no fault of their own uh, have had issues and have been held out. And it's resulted in a lot of stress on guys like Hunter Couture and stress on guys like Sean Padula. Sean Padula is playing an insane amount of minutes, and I'll talk more about him here in a second. But that is my biggest um, issue that I have seen with this team so far is that the lack of guard depth due to the injuries and off-the-court stuff going on with Maddox and Rice, uh, I think that has had a trickle-down effect on the entire roster, uh, particularly guys like Padula and Couture. Um, and we just we have no guards coming off the bench. Right now, our bench rotation is basically a, a small forward and a power forward and a center in Camden, Poteet, and Kidd. We have no guards, true guards, coming off the bench. So that's been really problematic, and I think it's led to um, guys being tired, man, just straight-up fatigue for Sean Padula, who's having to play 38 minutes a night guarding on ball and then also running the offense. I mean, that, that, that's a lot to ask for a true sophomore who has been really, really good for this team this year. He's had his moments where he struggled, sure, largely due to fatigue, in my opinion. Um, but I, I really encourage fans, in particular when talking about Sean Padula, to take a step back and think, okay, where should he be as a true sophomore point guard in the terms of his uh, career arc or his trajectory? If you told me that this was Sean Padula as a sophomore, I'd tell you we're in a pretty good spot. So uh, I think Sean's done a really good job. I think he's developed a ton over his freshman year to now, and he's just had a lot on his plate with not a whole lot of help. Um, and, and that's due to the lack of guard depth that was uncontrollable, in my opinion, from a staff's perspective. So the next issue that I will point to, and I think directly correlates with the lack of guard depth, is intensity. Um, and I think it's really hard to be super, super intense night in and night out when you're playing 38 to 40 minutes night in and night out with no break. But this team has had a had a problem all year. Uh, not all year. I'll go, you know, conference play on. Playing up or playing down to their competition. So some examples of that. We've played up to our competition for sure. Wins against Duke, UVA, UNC. In games where those teams, I mean, Oklahoma State even before that, you know, good good teams with good players. You know, Duke and UNC have struggled a little bit, but um, they're, they still have all the talent in the world. So we've done a really good job playing up to our competition and matching that intensity and winning good games against good programs. But then you have these sleepers against two against Boston college, one against Georgia tech. Um, these, these games that you just can't afford to drop and are almost inexcusable to drop as many as we have this year. And that results to where we, that pushes us to the result of where we are right now. So uh, intensity in terms of playing up and playing down to your opponent, being consistent night in and night out, I think it's been problematic for this team. Uh, during conference play as well. So those are the two main issues that I could think of. I've really had a hard time kind of racking my brain around what's going on with this program because you look at the roster on paper, it's a really good roster. Uh, Grant Basile has been, in my opinion, as close to a Keve Aluma replacement as you could possibly find. Uh, Grant's been playing really, really good basketball. Um, I really think that streak started back at UVA, and since then he's been playing really, really good. But even recently, it just continues to get better and better. Um, he, he's been awesome for Virginia Tech, and I really hope we're able to retain him moving forward. He can come back to Blacksburg next year because uh, I would I would imagine that if Grant Basile came back to Blacksburg next year, he starts the season as a first-team All-ACC caliber guy and is poised for great success in a Hokies uniform. But Grant's been awesome. Um, 
MJ Collins has been awesome. The dude still has braces and he's dunking on people against UVA and UNT. Uh, MJ Collins is a really, really exciting player for me looking forward into you know, the rest of this season and next. Uh, I really am excited about MJ Collins. And, you know, that's one silver lining of lack of depth due to injury is um, freshmen get to play. And MJ has done a really good job in his minutes. Uh, played a lot more than I think even he probably anticipated going into his freshman year and done a really good job in doing so. But looking forward, we got five games left for the ACC tournament, right? So I'm recording this on Friday, the 17th of February. I'm going to be at the pick game. Um, I think, yeah, tomorrow. The pick game is Saturday, the 18th. Pitt is currently in first place in the ACC. I don't know who would have thought that going into the year, but I'll be at that game. We've got Pitt at home, and then we got Miami at home, who, in my opinion, is probably the most talented team in the ACC. And then we go down to Cameron Indoor and play Duke at Louisville and finish up senior day against Florida State. So five games left. I personally would feel really, really good. Not really good because the end result is not what we all want it to be, but I'd feel good about a 3-2 and two finish here. Um, you know, you, you win one of the three against Pitt, Miami, and Duke. And then you do what you're supposed to do and take care of business at Louisville and then at home against Florida State. Finish the year three and two, and you finish uh, at that point, you'll be eight and 12 in conference, 18 and 13 in for the season. Overall, that's very mediocre. I understand that. Um, there's just been a lot of unforeseen circumstances this year, and that's not an excuse. Uh, there's still a lot of talent on this roster to win games. We lost a lot of close games um, during that seven game losing streak, a lot of really, really close games. So, um, it's not an excuse, but I, I do think it, it, it's malpractice to completely ignore the fact that Maddox and Rice have been a non-factor for the majority of ACC play, if not all of ACC play. Uh, and those are two guys that the staff I know was relying super heavily on going into the year. So finish three and two down this five-game stretch would be really enjoyable uh, as a fan. You know, there's these next three, Pitt, Miami, and Duke, are really big games. Um, I loved. I would love to continue to see MJ Collins be aggressive. He's been really aggressive getting to the rim. Um, an area he's very good at. He's very athletic. I love watching him get to the rim um, and knock down open jump shots. Just want to see guys continue to improve and build on some of the successes they have had. Um, we'll love to see Sean Padula find a way to get off the floor for a few minutes, but I don't see how that's possible at this point with the way the roster currently stands. So um, injury-free ball. Would love to see Jay Collins continue his success. Grant Basile continue to play well. Hunter Couture knock down open shots. Um, and let's see if we can get get to three and two and finish this season on a high note, uh, even though it's been otherwise somewhat disappointing. So that's all I've got kind of for the men right now. Uh, I'm really excited to go to the pick game tomorrow. I think it's going to be a good one. Hopefully the environment in Castle is awesome. But I want to turn my attention to the women's team. Uh, I've been raving about the women's team on this podcast uh, as much as I can throughout the season. And I'm going to continue to do more and more of that as the season progresses because they're 21 and four <laughs> and deserve all the attention in the world. I was at the game last night against Duke, uh, which was going into the game number nine Duke versus number 11 Virginia Tech. I was really excited to get down to Blacksburg for this one. Uh, it was an awesome environment and overall a really good game, particularly if you're a Virginia Tech fan. Uh, the Hokies absolutely demolished Duke yesterday and have now won three straight games against ranked opponents and, and won five straight overall. So five straight overall wins with three of them coming against ranked teams. Um, my overall thoughts on the women's team. So this team is as fun to watch as any Virginia tech team in any sport that I can remember. Um, you know, maybe the only good comparison would be the 2019 uh, sweet 16 team. 
This team is that fun to watch play. Uh, it obviously starts with Liz Kitley, who many believe could be the ACC player of the year again this year. Um, she had 18 and 10 last night against Duke and just kind of dominated that entire game. But I'm going to turn my attention to point guard play because I love point guard play. And I, I can safely say now that I have not enjoyed watching a Virginia Tech athlete in any sport as much as I've enjoyed watching George Amore play basketball this year since Justin Robinson left, um, left from that Sweet 16 team. So the number five point guards, um, Georgia and Justin, are just so much fun to watch. But Georgia in particular this year has just been absolutely electric. For example, of the three-game winning streak against ranked opponents, Georgia's got 27, 25, and 20 points in those three games respectively. So she is as fun to watch as any Virginia Tech athlete that I can recall um, since Justin Robinson graduated. Uh, it's just the absolute epitome of point guard play. Makes the right read. It runs the whole show on offense and defense. An absolute knockdown shooter. Uh, just plays with a crazy high energy and makes everyone around her better. And it's it's so much fun to watch. Really high-level point guard play. And that's what we've got night in and night out in Castle Coliseum with Georgia Amore right now. So I'm really excited to watch the rest of this women's team. They've got NC State on Sunday. Uh, I may or may not try to stick around in Blacksburg late and go to that game. And they go down to North Carolina against the number 19 ranked Tar Heels. And they wrap it up at Georgia Tech with their final three games of the year. Uh, the women's team is currently projected as a three seed, which would be which would allow them to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament here in Blacksburg, which I would absolutely plan to attend. I would encourage anyone in the New River Valley to make their way down to attend those games. But a three seed would be a, an awesome place for Virginia Tech to find themselves. The current bracketology has them as a three seed in Indiana's um, region. Indiana would be the one in that in that side of the bracket. Uh, as well as LSU as the two. But I think if Virginia Tech does their job and closes it out strong with, you know, three wins against NC State, UNC, and Georgia Tech, uh, and then a strong performance in the ACC tournament, I, I see no reason they couldn't find themselves on the two-seed line when it's all said and done. But, again, Liz and Georgia are awesome. The Queens of the Castle are currently averaging 18-10 and 10 for Liz Kitley and 15-5 and 5 for Georgia. So the Queens have been balling. Castle's been an awesome environment, and I hope the fans and the students will continue to come out and support the ladies as they close up this season and look to make a really strong and deep run into the NCAA tournament. So keep supporting the Hokie women. Keep standing behind the Hokie men. Uh, I'll jump on and record probably after the pit slash NC State game for the women, so maybe Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we'll, we'll do a more in-depth update, and we'll get Mike on here and get his thoughts as well because I've been texting him offline, and I know he's got some questions, comments, and concerns. But until then, uh, go Hokies, and let's keep this thing rolling for the women's team. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand, but I saw you. Like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know it's what you're thinking Please don't just let us sink and Trash my friend's place Wake up the next day and do it again And all that she said is And all that she said is Enough to reach out to you